Hi, everybody. Welcome back to The Undiscovered You, a podcast for people who feel like they have so much more to offer, but are somehow stuck where they are. I'm your host, Kimberly Johnston, and this season, we're talking all about the dream catchers. I'm so excited to have with me today, Laura Evans Manitos, who's the president and founder of Laura Evans Media. Laura was an anchor for Fox 5 DC, a top-rated 5 p.m. newscast in the Capitol in Washington, DC. She did that for 18 of her 26 years as a journalist. She's not only covered things as such as inaugurations, um, political parties, she also did 9-11 and the sniper attacks within DC. She has two Emmys under her belt, five Emmy nominations, She's got Associated Press Awards, the Golden Mike Awards. She's been on radio and television. She has the Washingtonian Magazine named Laura one of the rising stars in local television news. She's also a mom of three to three people and two Yorkies. (laughs) (laughs) Mom of five. Mom of five, I should say, exactly. (laughs) So welcome to the show. Lovely to have you with us today, Laura. Great to be with you, Kimberly. Thank you for having me on. So this season is all about talking to the dream catchers. So these are the people who have gone out and chased big dreams. And Laura, I just want to talk to you quickly about what you're doing now. So you're the president and founder of Laura Evans Media. Tell me a bit about that. Thank you, Kimberly. Yes, I started this company uh, after I left Fox 5. I was um, really tired of talking about all the terrible things that happen in our world every day and sitting on the set and you know, kind of spewing the death and destruction of the day in our community and um, all that brings us down. And I really wanted to focus on what lifts us. What are the solutions? What are the great things that people are doing to solve all of those problems that we talk about every day and see every day on the news? And I hear from friends and from colleagues and from my family about how depressing it is to watch the news. So there actually are really amazing organizations, people, disruptors, change makers who are doing incredible things to make a difference in our world. And I wanted to get those messages out. And I was trying to do that in my role as an anchor and reporter uh, at Fox 5. And I would bring those stories into our editorial meeting. And because of resources, growing so slim, fewer photographers, fewer reporters. They wanted us to really be capturing the stories of, you know, the carjacking down the street, the shooting or, you know, whatever was kind of breaking at the time, which is usually what bleeds is leads. And so I lost my footing on the stories that I was really passionate about. And so you asked me about what the company does. So I'll get back to that. Um, We are focused on helping those organizations that are social impact, change maker, disruptor organizations, help them get their story out with a, you know, deep dive into their programs, who are the beneficiaries and how how those beneficiaries are are really, um, you know, benefiting from from the programs that these organizations are are working on and then um, how the community can can also benefit so a lot of times for as an example as a reporter i would receive tons of you know uh, pitches on hey can you cover this program i've got a really great program 
it is so fascinating and you know you need to know about it and you need to cover it on the news well okay i, I don't i don't have time but you got uh, to for to deep dive into this like who it affects who are the you know the players on this give me some more elements and then i'll cover your program but nonprofits just don't know how to do this so we are the go between between the nonprofit and the reporter to help them get into their, and it's not just nonprofits, but it's also companies and, and you know, individuals who are trying to tell their story. They just don't know what elements need to be served up. So we go in there, we say, okay, tell me about their program. Let's get um, to who, who are the beneficiaries. Let's tell their stories. We kind of get all the elements out on a silver platter. And then we find the, the individual reporters who we know would be interested instead of just in blanket blasting this you know pitch to a bunch of different reporters and hoping it lands somewhere because you know reporters get hundreds of pitches into their email boxes inboxes every single day so that's what we do and we also build up thought leadership in a in a way to help um, organizations get the message out about you know how they're really making a difference um, from the top down and um, helping them with social media. We do a lot of speaking. We do video production to help their messaging in that way. And um, yeah, that's it's kind of a full service thing, but we're all ex-journalists uh, working together. So I've got a team of about 12 people right now and, and it's, um, it's really fulfilling. Way more fulfilling than talking about death and destruction every day. I, can only, I can't even watch the news. I can't imagine having to report it. <laughs> I know, it's hard. It's just, it's tough. And, and what I think is amazing is that you were able to turn something that actually was depleting you and something you said you'd lost your passion about it. And you're actually able to take what you recognize was your passion, get some other journalists, some other like-minded people with you and do this amazing thing for these nonprofit organizations and organizations that are the social makers, as you said. And what I also loved is the fact that you were able to help them do that kind of targeted pitching because that's that's one thing I imagine a lot of a lot of people who are listening to this don't even know how to go about that. They wouldn't know how to even pitch a story to a news you know a news situation or they wouldn't know uh, a news outlet or they wouldn't know how to even approach someone about a job, et cetera. It's it's there you need to know who to go to and how mm -hmm. to pitch it. So that's such an amazing offering that you're offering to these companies. Yeah, well, you know, and, and that's what makes us special, too, is because all of the people on my team, we all have different, a lot of connections and different connections to people within the industry, having worked in the industry for more than two decades, almost three decades, you know, a lot of us are career trajectory, we started in small markets, we went to bigger markets, and then some of us were in the networks. And, uh, you know, we come from all different parts of the country. So we kind of, we do not only network national news, we pitch to local news in every part of the country. And, um, and then if you don't, if we don't have a contact somewhere, we know one of our contacts will have a contact and we just know how newsrooms work. So we can cold pitch a newsroom because we speak their language. We know when their editorial meetings are happening. We know when to, we can bug them. Um, we know how to, how to call their assignment desk too. So it's just, um, it, it's, it's kind of insider stuff that, um, that works. Yeah. 
And is this a, is this a nonprofit that you're doing? Cause I, I, I'm, I'm struggling to figure out how you would make money from nonprofits being able to do this <laughs> pitching to no, journalists. You know, and that's why I clarified too. We don't just work with nonprofits. Okay. We work with uh, for-profits. We work with individuals, we, you know, entrepreneurs, we work with startups. We, yeah, we, we do it all. It's for full service. It's really PR. It's whoever's looking for PR. That's who we work with. But our niche is solution-based stories. So we don't work with restaurants unless a restaurant is, has you know, a solution, social impact story that they're looking to get out. So if, if it's a social, you're having, making a, you know, a social impact pitch, then um, you know, that, that's where our niche lies. So like if a restaurant had some kind of a soup kitchen on Monday nights, because they didn't open on Monday. So they, they just, yes, there you go. Got it. Yeah, Got bingo. It. That's it. Okay. That's it. So in other words, just quickly, so we can pitch your um, business. If anybody's looking for that kind of uh, PR work, that, that's the type of thing you do. So you're not limited to nonprofits. You work with anybody that's having social impact and the solution-based type work. Is that? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. If basically, if you're helping someone else, we'll help you. I love that. Oh, that's, is that your tagline? If it's not, it should be. If you're helping someone <laughs> no, else. No, but I like that. We'll help you. Our, our tagline is your message heard. Oh, <laughs> but, good. If you're helping someone else, we'll help you. Write that down when you guys need a new tagline. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so um, backing up a bit, you said that you had started in smaller news outlets and then gone into local news. Um, and then eventually you were you were at Fox 5. Um, for those people who maybe had thought about going into journalism, had majored in journalism, had done even, you know, people do local newspapers, people write for local newspapers. People, even I remember in high school, we had a high school newspaper and there were people that would write for the high school newspaper. So how did you actually get started in this and, and how did you make your way up to working in, in national news? Well, in the seventh grade, there we go. I, I used to put the, uh, you know, the, the home video camera right on my kit, my, my parents, um, you know, kitchen counter and would write news stories about you know, thefts and auto uh, car accidents and all of, you know, the, the worst of the worst. And then I would sit in front of it and report the news. So seventh grade is when I decided this is what I really want to do. And from there, it just, that was like uh, my dream. And I did internships in high school at the time that you were allowed to do internships without getting college credit. And then in college, I did internships at the local TV stations. In college, I wrote for the, lo for the, for the college newspaper. Um, I delivered newspapers when I was in the seventh grade. Uh, so, you know, there was like always, it was, I, it was always on my mind. Um, once I went to, after, you know, after college, then um, I started on this, this path to um, putting tapes together, which is how you, you know, get a job in TV. And, um, and then got my first job in Eureka, California, which is a teeny tiny little market five hours north of San Francisco. And I was a one man band. I was a, a, an anchor and a reporter and a producer and I was shooting my own stuff and I was editing everything. And then I would go on and I would run the teleprompter and I would do the weather and I would do it all for $5 an hour. <laughs> but I was being paid, Kimberly. I was no longer an intern and I was in heaven. It, my dream had come true. Yep. And so, um, and I was the 11 o'clock anchor and I was there for uh, almost a year, for 11 months. And then I got a job in Santa Barbara 
And I went to this. So the first job was with the NBC affiliate. Then I got a job with the ABC affiliate in Santa Barbara, which was KEYT. And I was there for um, almost four years. Um, I had, I did all kinds of different things from, you know, bureau reporter to covering like five stories a day and then um, moved up to anchor and morning anchor and um, you know, noon show anchor. I, I did it all there and then signed with an agent and the agent um, got me in into Washington. So I had, um, there, there were a few other things that happened along the way, but it, it was it was a huge break for me to come to DC, but it was, you know, Eureka to, to walk to Santa Barbara, which is also a small market, and then this big break to DC. And my intention was to move on from DC after three years and go to New York or LA, but I married a Washington lobbyist. <laughs> And so here I am. And, um, but it was all good. I had been like, I kept saying in my life, like, where's the balance? Like, but, but I was married to my career for a long, long time. And, um, but I loved it. It was, it, it filled me up. It was everything that I wanted and hoped for. And my, um, it was my dream come true. That's amazing. And, and I actually, I'm just picturing you um, when you're in Eureka, almost exactly as you were in your living room in seventh grade, you've got the camera up, you've written all the content, you're videoing yourself and then editing it down. It's right. basically getting paid to do what you did in seventh grade. Right, right. $5 an hour. <laughs> Five bucks an hour. <laughs> and then, so then afterwards, when you, you go on, and I think one of the questions that people probably is sitting in their head is, you know, you say you got that big break, you got yourself an agent. First of all, I mean, that is a big step, isn't it? For somebody to, to get an agent, how do you actually sign with an agent? How does that actually work? Yeah. Well, I had been to a conference called RTNDA. It's the Radio Television News Directors Association. And um, I met somebody there and she was interested in seeing my tape and I sent it to her and she and I knew that it was time for me to go to leave KEYT. Mm. Uh, so I was, I was seeking out options. Uh, and so I sent it to her, Jean Sage is her name and she, she's phenomenal. We still have a wonderful relationship. And so, you know, she was willing to look at my tape. She wanted, she wanted to see it. And, and then she said, yes, I would love to sign you, which was that was wonderful. I was really excited about that. And so um, it, it happened rather quickly. And, and she sent my tape to various places. And, she, you know, she said, I'm sending it to Washington, D.C. And I was like, why? I, I wasn't thinking that big yet. Mm -hmm. And uh, and so, but it happened. I had also I'll tell you this. I, I had been for years. Um, there was a man named Don Fitzpatrick who I had gone to see several times and as a you know like when I was just first putting my very first tape together trying to sh go find my first job in Eureka um, and I had I put a tape together and I had gone to see Don and Don was kind of like the big headhunter in news and he Don everybody knew who Don Fitzpatrick was if it didn't pass muster with Don you were out so I took my tape to Don and I said, would you please give me five minutes, please, just five. And he said, yeah, all right. And, you know, he's in San Francisco. And so um, he looked at my tape and he literally jumped at the sound of my voice. And he 
I, I could see his facial expression and he was like not into the tape at all. My hair was too long. My outfit was not right. My voice was terrible. My story, but he actually, he didn't mind the storytelling, but the stories weren't great. The story content um, or subjects. So he said, this tape won't work. Come back with something else. I said, okay. So I went back to where I had been interning at KTVU, which is the Fox affiliate in San Francisco. And I made a new tape. I, before I did that though, I got a voice coach. I went and cut my hair. I got a coach to help me with an outfit and get the right colors. And I had somebody help me with makeup because here I am California girl, you know, with the long hair no makeup and well, whatever. It, that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking, okay, I got to get serious here. And I put a new tape together and I took it to Don and he said, okay, I, I think this, this could work. And so, but that's all I needed was just Don's approval. Like this is okay. So I sent out the tapes and I got my first job in Eureka. Later, fast forward to the time that I'm working to get, you know, that, that Jean, my agent is now working to, uh, to shop me around the country. Don had seen my growth, the progression of my work. He had this, you know, newsletter and a, uh, that, that all news directors used to watch and a tape that he called the picks to click tape. And it was his top 10 picks for the year for, you know, up and comers. And he put me on his picks to click, which I didn't realize until, cause he didn't, he wouldn't tell people, he would just send it out. So the news director in Washington, D.C. had seen the picks to click and um, that also, in addition to my amazing agent, helped me get my job in Washington. So it was um, a real when I found out about that from Don, it was a real I mean, it could also almost make me cry right now. Um, but it was a real huge deal for me to, to learn that he was just such a wonderful man and, and very real and, and fantastic in the industry. So. I have goosebumps from that story. I love that story. Thank you for sharing that. And there's there's so much in, in what you said that I, I want to just pull out quickly. And one of them is that you met your agent by going to a conference in your mm. specific area of expertise. So, you know, radio and television, et cetera. So if you are someone who is in oil and gas, go to an oil and gas com you know conference. If you're somebody yeah. who's in coaching, go to an executive coaching conference. Find a conference where people are speaking who are leaders in the industry, uh -huh. find a conference where they have agents available. So if you're a writer, go to the National Writer Convention, you know, go someplace where there are people who can help you. Don't try to do it on your own. Uh -huh. And then the second piece of advice that I'm pulling out of this is also you went to Don and he gave you some really hard feedback. Mm -hmm. And instead of having that prideful response of, he doesn't know anything. I'm sure he's a big deal, but I know what I'm doing. <laughs> I've been doing this in seventh grade. <laughs> you actually <laughs> right. listened to that and you acted on the feedback. And, yeah. you know, I mean, for a newscaster, you know, your look is part of who you are, obviously. And mm -hmm. he knew what look sold. And so what is it about your industry that, that the listener is listening to right now that actually maybe you need an adjustment? You know, do people constantly say, you know, you're not a team player? Do people constantly say it feels like you're out for yourself? You're always trying to progress, but it doesn't feel like you're, you're you know, acting within the values of our community or our company, whatever it is. And so figure out what that feedback is because, you know, feedback's a gift. And when you can act on it, 
you can actually make those changes. And I think, Laura, that's such a great example of just taking feedback that is hard to hear. I mean, somebody reacting to your voice, that's, yeah. I mean, that in itself, you're a bit like, oh gosh, this is supposed to be my career and you're actually recoiling at my voice. Right. And then to do something about it. So I love those examples. Yeah, thank you. It was it was hard. It was really hard to hear because I kept thinking, is this innate? Mm. Can I actually change this? But I wanted it so badly that I was willing to may alter these things. And I knew it wasn't me to my core. He wasn't making a comment about Laura. He was making a comment about these superficial things that would help me achieve the dream. And so uh, I, obviously I was willing to do it. And then the other thing too is that I, that I did along the way is I, I kept in touch with people. So it was constantly an opportunity to network once I met people um, in my internships with Dawn at these conferences. It's, it was where I felt that I had you know, created relationships. I always kept those relationships. I would send Christmas cards. I would do a check-in. I would just say, oh, he, you know, I wanted to let you know, I, I put my tape together. Could I share it with you? Or I've got my job in Eureka. I just wanted to let you know, here's my new address. Would love to keep in touch. Just, and, and at that point we didn't have email. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm aging myself here, but um, it was, uh, so I would send letters and mm. those handwritten notes went a really, really long way in, in maintaining great relationships and helping me later advance my career. Mm. And, and that network is so important. We talk so much about networking on this podcast. And, you know, I always joke that my, my dad was constantly talking about networking when I was in high school. He was like, this is your first network, you know, don't lose touch with these people. And it's so true. They have been a catalyst to a lot of different things in my career, even now, you know, and it's, it is, it's keeping, keeping in touch with people thanking people for yeah. help that they give you is also something we had I through my marvelous mentors season a lot of people come back and say thank you when yes. someone helps you out acknowledge them you know you've just called out several people on this podcast who've helped you name them talk about them get their names out there celebrate them and yeah. then always be there reciprocally so if someone comes to you and says oh can I get some help with this or you know I was just thinking about doing this think about how can you actually help them even if you can't can you make an introduction can you do something Absolutely. to help them yeah so true so true I love that so networking using the feedback and then also going to our different conferences. Um, when we picked up, you were talking about how you've now moved into DC and you're working for Fox 5 DC. Um, as we know, there is sometimes a little bit of a, of a hesitation when people hear the letters F, O, and X together. So can you, can you kind of differentiate what you were doing to maybe what people might have a visceral reaction to? <laughs> yes, yes. Because initially you were saying Fox News. I was like, no, no, no. No, it's not Fox News. News. <laughs> and I will tell you, so, so Fox 5 DC is the local affiliate of Fox uh, National. Mm. And I will tell you, they are owned and operated by Fox. There are other Fox affiliates across the country that are independent. And so that's, you know, affiliates work in different ways, but Fox five in DC is one of the O and O's they say owned and operated. Um, however, when I started at Fox, um, in 98, it was, uh, you know, I mean, and until I left right before I left, 
there was never ever any kind of mandate on how we should report on a lean that we should take on any kind of bias. Um, I mean, there were two lesbians who were running my newsroom and we were very prideful of the diversity that we had in the newsroom and, you know, just the, the acceptance of all. And there was, you know, I, so there was never any kind of, um, you know, Fox mandate Mm. as I, as it would be known today. Mm. So, um, or as it, as it is today. So it was later as things went on, as we got, you know, closer to the, the Clinton um, Trump election that it started to feel different. Mm. And I just, it, it, I was uncomfortable with it. And, um, so I, I am glad to say that I did not work for Fox, <laughs> but um, yes, it, Fox five was very different than yeah. Fox. I just wanted, I wanted, I wanted to give you an opportunity to kind of clarify that to listeners <laughs> so that they could, could kind of hear your opinions on that one. Yeah. Um, and also um, in terms of, so you, you're working as, as an anchor for Fox and, and one of the things, Fox five, and one of the things that you talked about was how you were married to the job and how you loved your job. And that's, that's very strong language. Again, when we talk about dream catchers, you know, you would expect that somebody who has gone for a dream and had that dream fulfilled, that that is the type of language that you would use around a job because it's a dream and it's a dream come true. Um, but you, you very specifically said you were married to your job. So do you think that your personal life was at all affected by the fact that you were, um, doing news? Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I had my blinders on for a long time. I was, um, but I, I wouldn't have done it any differently. If I went back and did it, did it again, I would not have done it any differently. I Mm. was very into my job and I loved, I loved what I was doing. Super passionate about it. And you know what? I think we, we, there are different seasons in our lives that we have time to, to do, um, you know, different things that we want to do. And so that was a season for me to be fully enveloped in what I was doing. And I was at my best in that moment for that job. Mm. Um, and I could fully commit to that. Had I had children at that time, uh, I would not have been able to, you know, be out at, you know, over, reporting overnight at in front of the Pentagon during 9-11 and, you know, I, I do have a wonderful partner now who takes care of, you know, keeps the fires going when I, I am traveling for work now, but it's a different place in my life where emotionally um, the, the subjects, I think with, with kids reporting is different. Um, so I could be fully committed to my job because I didn't have a family at the time. Um, I did find that it became harder. Newsroom culture is such that it's hard to be a a mom and um, escape so that you can take your kid to the doctor or, you know, be there for the musical recital at school. Um, And I will admit, because I'm no longer there, I would sneak out during days to take my kid to the doctor because I knew I wouldn't get permission. Mm. And that's a terrible thing. Mm. Um, So 
you know, when I look back, yes, I was married to my job because mm-hmm. I could be. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then when I needed to, um, you know, excuse myself, I needed to do that too. Yeah. So. And do you, I mean, one of the things that I, I've talked to a couple of moms about this, just in a, my personal relationships, and I'm actually wondering, you said something, um, news affects me more now that I'm a mom. Yeah. And it's like, I could, I could watch the news before and I was, I was okay. I'd get emotional about stuff, but I, I literally cannot watch the news now that I have kids because yeah. I get so emotional over it and it feels so personal. And I was thinking about that. If you're a newscaster, is it similar you know, is it a similar thing for you where actually when you have kids, it, it actually makes it more difficult to report on those hard things for some reason? I, I don't actually know what biologically happens to us. Yeah. But it's something. I think so, because you're thinking about the world around you, not just for you, but for the next yeah. generation. And yeah. and yeah, for them, because you want the world to be okay. And, uh, you know, and for them not to have to see this. Yeah. And so, you know, even, I mean, and, and I'm sure I'm not even explaining it very articulately, but let me just give you an example. So I, I remember there were a couple of, of stories that in, in particular that, that affected me um, after I had kids and I was sent out, you know, one of the worst things to do as a reporter is to be sent to the doors of somebody, you know, go knock on the door of the mom who just lost their child mm. or the parent, you know, whatever, the dad. And, um, and to say, how are you? Would you talk to me? Mm. I mean, who, well, who wants to talk to the worst? Yeah. 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 And so I was sent to talk to the parents of a soldier who had just been killed in Afghanistan. Oh. And um, basically they answered the door and I started crying, <laughs> which was not very professional, but that's what I did. And um, <clears throat> they did speak with me, but I cried through the whole interview. It was terrible. And I knew, you know, it was like, I, I, what I didn't want to do was make it about me. Mm. And I thought that was so unprofessional on my part. Um, but I knew that they also knew that I didn't you really cared. want to be there. And that I was, when you cared. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. But I, but Kimberly, you're right. I mean, I think it was one of those, um, moments of I'm thinking about my kids. Like what, what if my child, that would, what if that were my child mm. and somebody's knocking on my door, mm. you put yourself in that position. So, um, yeah, things definitely started to impact me more, not just as a reporter, but on the set, Sandy Hook happened. My colleague who actually is now my partner in Laura Evans media, um, Jennifer Davis, who I absolutely am in love with. She, um, she was a reporter for, for Fox, um, news channel, and she was out at Sandy Hook and she was talking about, I, we were doing, I was on the set anchoring and, and she tossed back to me and, she, and I said, you know, describe the atmosphere, what, you know, for among people who are in the area. And she, there was a little crack in her voice when she tossed back to me, I could hear it. And we had just had a play date with our kids, oh. like before she was sent. And, um, and I heard the crack and it, it got to me and I, mm. I started crying mm. and I lost it on the set. Mm. And my mm. co-anchor Maureen got up and walked out. She mm. lost it too. And so I, through tears, I just tossed to break. I said, let's take a break. And I thought about that this morning when I was watching my old colleague, oh, Amy Robach please, on please. Good Morning America. And um, so it's, it, it's hard. 
It's just hard. And I think, um, I don't know that I would be able to continue on with some of the news that we have these days. And just for our listeners, we were recording this just after the San Antonio shootings. Um, and it's just, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to start crying. It's just absolutely devastating. Horrible. And I will remember, I will remember for the rest of my life, Dan Rather, um, 9-11, when he was up there and he just started crying. And Dan Rather was always, you know, to me, the kind of stalwart reporter who could report on anything. And actually, I'll tell you, Laura, that was probably the most effective reporting I'd ever seen. And I think if you can report on a bunch of elementary school children, you know, being gunned down and not have an emotional reaction to that, that's not, that's not a good place to be. Like, let's, let's just be honest. That's not a good place to be. Mm -mm. No, no. And the day that's, I always said this, the day that you become numb to these stories is the day you need to walk away. Yeah. But, but there's a balance between losing it Mm -hmm. And between, and, and, you know, and I also think there is, um, you, you need, you need uh, to, for self-care, you need to really watch that. And because I think there's something, there's something called moral injury. You know, we see these terrible things happening and we know they're not right. And it's not just for, for viewers, but for, for reporters who are there on the ground and seeing this firsthand it's really hard on your psyche. And I used to start, I used to get terrible headaches. I would get them regularly throughout the week. And I knew that I was starting to absorb some of this stuff and it was becoming very, very difficult. For many years, I was like, ah, I'll go to the gym. It's catharsis. I'll just sweat it out. My mom kept saying to me, this is not good. This is not good. And, um, and it really did start to catch up with me physically. And that became a point where I really start to, started to question what I was doing. Mm, yeah. And I think that's important. I mean, just in, in terms of anybody thinking about going to journalism, that's the realism. Like that's the type of thing you're dealing with stuff that is incredibly intense. I, did you read um, Michelle Obama's book, Becoming, where she talked about Sandy Hook? I thought that was really powerful. Yes. Yes. And I think, I think that's also, again, there, there are news stories that, that impact the world. And that, I think that's one of them that actually just impacted the world. And even the first lady, she just, she's like, I can't, I can't be there for them because I'm so broken. And I think that was, yeah, it was amazing. Exactly. No, it was a great book. Great book. So, um, we, we are just about coming to time and I have to ask you our last two questions. And one of them is sort of in this whole process, um, you know, this is called the undiscovered you. So what have you discovered about yourself along the way? Oh, that is a good question. Um, you know, one of the things I think when I, when I left, I did not know what I was going to do. And that was really, really hard. Um, and I, I discovered that I need quiet in order to allow myself the space to discover. And um, I am a go, 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 go. You know, that's just how I operate. But to take that space and to really um, think through who am I? What makes me tick? What's important to me? What are my priorities? And kind of go into my corner and take care of my, my corner of the world um, was um, that, that, that was necessary. And, you know, one of the things that my amazing husband suggested for me was to, when I left, 
news was to meet with everybody I could think of in my network and have coffee and to help me talk through what I wanted to do also network and have them, you know, think of like, who else could I have coffee with? What job would be right for me? What's next? And it all was so good because it was that discovery. And it was, it was also thinking, you know, it was also allowing me space. Um, and I, you know, I, I tapped into my kids too. My husband also, the night that it was announced in the, in the Washington Post that I was leaving, he had um, the kids write me these beautiful notes. And my middle daughter, who's now 14, she wrote, and she was, I guess she was nine at the time. She wrote, um, you know, mommy, I'm so proud of you with all of the things that you've done. And um, you're such a great role model for me. And the next day I said, I said, sweet girl, this is so beautiful. And it, it makes me cry. And she said, well, why are you crying? And I said, well, I said, this is, you know, you've, you've really touched me with what you wrote. And, and, um, and I said, and, and it's hard, you know, me making this decision to leave. And she said, well, mommy, because I, I said, this was my dream. She said, well, mommy, you made your dream come true. Now you can do something else. So I thought, thought with check your hold. She was just like, check it off. You know, it, on done, to else. Yeah, succeeded. Done. Next. Right. Right. I love it. So it was like simple out of the mouths of babes, yes. like just thinking simple. And so I went back to simple. I went back to quiet. I went back to networking, mm -hmm. what I had done before. And um, and that all together, you know, really helped ground me and preparing for this next chapter. And what an amazing next chapter. I mean, it's inspirational and it's, it's uplifting and it's kind of hitting that core value for you and being able to help other people and really use the talents that you possess yeah. in order to actually make a difference in the world. And so this is going to be, when you're done with this, it's another tick, by the way, this is another, this is another dream <laughs> moment that you're, you're pulling right. out here. <laughs> so I feel like you've just given this to us, but what's the best piece of advice that you've ever received? <laughs> that's it. <laughs> you like, that's you it. Dream come true. Now you can do something else. Yeah. Um, best piece of advice. Uh, you know what? My mom, slow oh. down. <laughs> She's been telling <laughs> me to slow down since I was little. And um, and that's really when I start to get crazy. I, I think about and, and it it wasn't always a nice slowdown. It was like slow down. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but it's good because that allows us the space that we need to really ponder what's important to us and, and is what we're doing now right for us. It took me a long time to realize that, to realize that I needed to get out. It was like five years before I left that I, I knew it wasn't right, but I was comfortable and I was getting medical insurance and, I, it was my dream, I thought, mm -hmm. in, you know, older terms. And so the slowing down, I think, really helped me think through what's right for me. I think that is going to be just gold dust for people listening to this, because this is for people who know they have more to offer, but are somehow stuck where they are. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times you are stuck because you have a good salary you have good medical benefits, especially in the US, if you don't have the NHS, <laughs> you know, you have all these different things that are actually keeping you someplace where you're not assessing, am I happy here? Or am I, even if you're not happy, if you're 
happy where you are in your organization, but maybe you need to do something else. You need to stretch yourself in your organization to do something different. And I love that kind of going back to simplicity, going back to the quiet, because again, a lot of people listening to this will be the big achievers. They'll be the ones that have been running since the time that they knew that they needed to run in order to you know, keep on the treadmill and get the network going and talk to the right people and do the right internships and you know, go on the right, whatever it is. And we just keep going and going and going. And actually you can run as fast as you want, but if you're running down the wrong road, you're not running in the direction you need to be going. Exactly, that's so true. So, so, so true. I was doing a lot of meditating and, um, and that, that was very helpful, but, um, that kept me, kept me on the right road. Yeah. Finding, finding that right road is imperative. And I think sometimes you do, you have to stop, you have to get quiet, you have to get simple, you have to get still and you have to really assess. And it's kind of hard because when you've been running full pelt and you've been doing a million things, stopping and actually doing some introspection, you're like, who yeah. am I? What am I doing? What do I actually yeah. want? What am I, what's fulfilling me? It's, it's hard. Right. And yeah. let's be honest, I'm still running. I mean, oh, uh, now definitely. I'm full speed ahead in the new in the new thing. So I'm I'm like, okay, let's pull it back, slow down, slow down. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Oh, Laura, this has been incredible. So thank you so much for your time today. Um, I've learned so much. I think just key takeaways around you know making sure that you keep that network up, make sure you're going to conferences, taking the feedback, and then of course keeping it simple, keeping it quiet and slow down. Yes, exactly. So good to talk to you, Kimberly. I love that you're doing this. Thanks so much, Laura. And I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Join us next week when we speak to Diane Wakely, who's a former dancer with the Royal Ballet. If you're looking for a coach or want to get in touch, check out my website, kljconsulting.co.uk or shoot me an email on the Undiscovered You podcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow, subscribe, like, and comment below. And I hope that you're one step closer to discovering the Undiscovered You.